and welcome to Tales from the Campanile, a production of the Oral History Center of the Bancroft Library at the University of California, Berkeley. Thank you for joining us for the final episode of our inaugural season from the outside in, Women in Politics. We are delighted to conclude our podcast with two contemporary female politicians who have confronted and broke down many barriers to political equality. Please join our host, Emmy Award-winning journalist, Velva Davis, as we examine the recent history of women in politics in our final episode, A New Era. Seventy years after Alice Paul and Jeanette Rankin successfully fought to secure universal suffrage in America, many believed that a new era had dawned for women in politics. Throughout the 1970s and 1980s, the demand for women's liberation and equality could neither be silenced nor ignored. And in 1992, the historic increase of women in the U.S. Senate, renowned as the exclusive boys club of American politics, had many journalists declaring it the year of the woman. But was it really? Well, I got elected to the Senate in 92 with Dianne Feinstein. That itself was history because never in the history of the country ever had there been two women from the same state in the United States Senate. They called it the year of the woman. We did triple our numbers, but we only went from two to six. So I always view the year of the woman as a total overstatement of reality. That was Senator Barbara Boxer a longtime congresswoman from California and one of the women elected to the Senate that year. In this final episode of From the Outside In, Women in Politics, we explore the state of women in the nation's political system. How far have we truly come in achieving the American ideal of equality? And where does that promise stand today as we look ahead into the 21st century? Weighing in on these important questions are Senator Barbara Boxer and San Francisco City Supervisor Jane Kim, two highly respected female policymakers at very different stages of their careers. Senator Boxer is concluding 43 years of service in state and national politics. Conversely, Jane Kim was first elected in 2006. Her tenure in politics has, by many accounts, just begun. Two generations, one familiar political path. As heard in the last five episodes, that path, from gaining the vote to the so-called year of the woman, has been marked by courage, by achievement, and by struggle. But their work wasn't in vain. It empowered people to follow in their footsteps. Well, as I look back at history and women in politics, I look at it as steps forward. Uh, first, of course, the suffragettes. When my mother uh, was born in 1911, she didn't even have the right to vote. We didn't get that till 1920. And I think people don't recognize the suffering that the suffragettes went through. So I think that's phase one, and we stand on the shoulders of those incredible women. And then I look at it as the next big moment to me was the women's liberation movement, which people like uh, Gloria Steinem and Betty Friedan, telling women like me, who just a little younger than they were, probably 10, 10 years younger, um, you know, it's okay to want to work outside the home. It's okay to pursue your dreams. And it's 
really okay to go into politics because truly before then there were just no role models. I became the second woman in history since 1850 to hold a seat on the Marin Board of Supervisors. And as I look back, the Women's Liberation Movement gave kind of permission to women like me to move forward. That is exactly what Barbara Boxer did. In 1972, she successfully ran for the Marin County Board of Supervisors, where she became only the second woman to serve since 1850. In the decades to come, Boxer continued to make history. After five terms in Congress, she joined Dianne Feinstein in claiming California's two U.S. Senate seats during the 1992 election. It was the first time in American history that a state's representation in the upper house was completely female. A little over a decade after they entered the Senate, Jane Kim became the first Korean-American woman elected to office in Feinstein's hometown of San Francisco. But the march of history is not as progressive as it may seem. Once inside, both Barbara Boxer and Jane Kim faced many of the same challenges as the pioneering women who came before them. Oh, there were moments that were humiliating. I remember once giving, uh, sitting there as a member of the Merchant Marine and Fisheries Committee testifying uh, to try and save this particular, uh, they were called the Pribilof seals, and they were killing the baby seals, and I had a big speech against it. And when I was done, one of my colleagues said, well, I want to associate myself with the remarks of, of Congresswoman Boxer, which, by the way, is the way you talk. And then he said, well, actually, I want to associate with Barbara Boxer. It was so awful, and everyone started laughing. I remember that out there in the audience. I didn't know what to do. After it was over, I went to the chairman of the committee. I said, I do not want that in the record, because the chairman of the committee was a Southern gentleman. He didn't think anything was wrong with it. And he also said, oh, yeah, I want to associate with her, too. It was just ugly. But that's one example. And then all the times that when I first came to Congress, the officers who, the Capitol Police officers always said to the women, uh, where are you going? Even though we had our pins on, you know, we were members of Congress. Where, where are you going? Are you a staffer? You know, that just happened time and time again. And, um, you know, it, it was hard to prove that you were worthy of equality. Even in the progressive city of San Francisco, Kim also suffered the typical gender biases of being mistaken as staff rather than policymaker, secretary rather than boss. Rarely do weeks go by without people confusing me for being my own assistant. Um, in fact, people come into my office and they, they tell me, to give this to the supervisor. I've had people walk into my office and ask me when the supervisor was gonna be meeting with them. The younger generation of women policymakers still feel they must work twice as hard to earn the respect and acceptance of the office they hold. This proves just as true as it was for March Fong Yu in the 1970s as it does for Jane Kim today. There is a double standard in politics. I haven't met March, um, but I am inspired by her accomplishments. There's just a, a feeling of alliance. I relate to her comments about having to work twice as hard, 
for never having the luxury of being able to walk into a meeting and have skimmed something or not have read something carefully because you are dinged harder if you don't know every single fact of an issue or a case that's before you. As we've heard in the previous episodes, such obstacles have not deterred women from stepping into the political arena and advancing change. Barbara Boxer did just this throughout her career. She has pushed for strong environmental regulation, a fair economy, equitable education, and legal recognition of same-sex marriage. In foreign policy, she bravely stood almost alone in her opposition against the Iraq War. And on behalf of issues affecting women, she has been a tireless advocate. In 1991, the Senate Judiciary Committee refused to hear testimony from Anita Hill during their confirmation hearing of Supreme Court nominee Clarence Thomas. Hill charged that she was sexually harassed by Thomas. Boxer made sure Hill's voice was heard. When Anita Hill uh, demanded, wanted to be heard, and, and, and put forward her testimony against Clarence Thomas that she was harassed, humiliated by him, um, the women then in the House, and I was one of them, only about 28 of us, about seven of us marched over to the Senate and we, we said, you've got to allow Anita Hill to testify. She didn't win her point and that was a fix for sure because there were four women who were ready and able to testify and, and say the same thing who weren't allowed. But after that, we had the Year of the Woman. I had, I rode that wave in, uh, in 92 and we had passed the Violence Against Women Act and we changed sexual harassment laws. On the local level, Jane Kim has advanced a platform reminiscent of her female predecessors, championing reform on behalf of women, the poor, and communities of color. I've hired all um, women in my legislative team. Our office has produced the most legislation of any supervisor office in the last two years. And we are doing work that I'm really proud of. We authored and drafted um, the $15 minimum wage bill. We have built and fought for the most affordable housing of any member of this Board of Supervisors. We've written uh, one of the most progressive and one of the strongest tenant protection ordinances in the country. And yeah, every day, um, people might confuse me for being my own secretary, but we still get the work done. Barbara Boxer and Jane Kim exemplify how far women have come in American politics. Within a century of women marching in the streets for the vote, women have held nearly every elected office in the political system, all but one. In no small way, women have not only claimed their equal place in what was once deemed a man's world, they have made it their own but as we reflect on the historic year of 2016, the question still arises, is this a new era? And if so, where do we go from here? We have a long ways to go. We need women and people of color to run departments and agencies. We need them to write policies and laws and to do research and to influence the electives that they serve. 
We need women to be running campaigns, to be political consultants, to be media liaisons and spokespeople. When you are creating laws and policies for a diverse state, you need to have all of those folks at the table because their stories are all different. And how the criminal justice impacts immigrants, those that are undocumented, those that are older, those that are very young, those who are African-American, Latino, we need all of those voices and perspectives at the table. And so whether it is more women, more people of color, more LGBTQ, uh, we need everyone to be at that table. And we need more of our communities to support um, people that want to be public servants and run for office because it is not an easy job. Half of the people in this country are women. It stands to reason, and even more than half of the people in this country are women, it stands to reason we should be holding half of the offices. It just is that simple. And um, I think we're on the way to do that, but it's slow. And as Hillary Clinton said, when you shatter that glass ceiling, the sky's the limit. And that's what we want for our girls and our women. Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign broke arguably the highest glass ceiling remaining in America's political system. Her candidacy, like the bold actions of the many women before her, has opened the political door wider than ever. But even in the face of great progress, the struggle for political equality seems far from over. The door is open, but the fight continues. I'm Belva Davis, and this has been From the Outside In, Women in Politics. Thank you for listening. This has been a production of the Oral History Center of the Bancroft Library at the University of California, Berkeley. Narrated by Belva Davis. Researched and written by Todd Holmes. Produced and edited by Shanna Farrell and Christina Kim. Production assistance was provided by Julie Allen, Paul Burnett, David Dunham, Martin Meeker, and Linda Norton. And a special thank you to project advisor David Boyer. All interview clips were drawn from the Oral History Center collections. I'm Martin Meeker, director of the Oral History Center. Thank you for listening. <laughs>